Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Barry Finley, author of the new novel, Searching for Truth, the first in the Jake Scott mystery series. Barry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Jeff. Good to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Searching for Truth, how would you describe the novel? Um, it's um, it is a new novel and a new series. I've uh, I've written a, a series called the Marcy Kane Thriller Collection prior to this. That was a series of four books uh, featuring um, a strong independent woman, and this one is. Uh, more of a middle-aged man, I guess, who has lost his wife and retired from his job, and he's kind of lonely and looking for something to do. And um, he kind of stumbles across uh, a crime that's happened two years previous where someone has been in jail, has been jailed, and they may or may not be incarcerated uh, correctly. So he, uh, along with um, a female detective, follow up on the case and um, and it leads to some surprising results so it's a i'd say it's a borderline cozy but not quite it's uh, uh there's a certain amount of uh, uh action in it uh, thrilling action i think and uh certainly some mystery and uh it, it probably crosses the line over into mystery territory as, as opposed to being a cozy well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Searching for Truth and starting this new series? Well, I've had this character floating around in my head for a while. Uh, I'm retired from, from work, and uh, um, I've been doing a variety of things I like since I've been retired. And I had this similar character floating around in my head. He's much younger than I am, but um, he's gone through some of the same things, so it was that that kind of prompted me to uh, sort of investigate this type of character and uh, see where it goes. And I'm, I'm quite sure it's going to lead to more books in the future. So what was your original writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published in this previous series? That you I just actually mentioned? wrote financial policy for a number of years for the Canadian federal government. And nobody reads that unless they absolutely have to, but, uh, I think it kind of honed my writing skills. And <laughs> I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with my son at age 60 in 2009. And um, that led to, well, we did some presentations about the climb. We used the climb to raise some money to help the kids of Africa. And it led to some presentations. And I realized that there were people who were actually really interested in the story. And at the same time, before we climbed, I um, had looked for some books on climbing the mountain, some books that actually took you up the mountain. And I couldn't find any So at that time. So my son and I decided to write a book about our journey, about both the climb and uh, about the fundraising afterwards. And um, that it was an enjoyable process. People liked and bought the book, and that kind of encouraged me to con- continue on. And after that, I wrote a humorous travel memoir. And then... I've always been a fan of fiction and especially crime fiction. And so I wondered if I could do it. I was, I'm an accountant by trade and accountants aren't supposed to be that creative, I guess. But, uh, uh, and if they get too creative, I think they probably end up in jail. So 
um, it was a challenge to me to see if I could write fiction. And as I said, it, that led to um, five books. And now here I am on on uh, my next uh, thriller series. So I'm curious, was it a big shift for you from writing financial policy to writing crime fiction and mystery fiction? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge shift. It was um, when you're writing financial policy, there's nothing uh, fictional about it. It's, uh, it's straightforward <laughs> and uh, and pretty uh, pretty bland. And so um, what I had to do, obviously, when I'm starting to write fiction was to use my imagination and uh, develop characters. And uh, there were many facets to writing fiction that were completely different from what I was used to. But I think that was the challenging part. There are, um, and the interesting part for me, uh, each of my thriller books has some sort of social significance, I think. And most of them are about subjects that I know nothing about. So I was forced to, uh, to research the subjects. And, um, and I, I found that to be a very interesting part of writing as well. It's not only the writing experience, but it's the experience of preparing for, for the story that you're going to write. And to me, that was, uh, that is as enjoyable a part of writing as uh, writing itself. And, and so what is your writing process when you're working on a new mystery novel? Do you outline the novel extensively, um, in terms of clues, et cetera, or do you just dive into I pretty the much dive into the narrative? I've, uh, written or I've seen uh, research people that have, that are plotters. I saw Jeffrey Deefer speak once at uh, a writer's festival here. And uh, he talked about plotting 200 pages before he actually wrote, uh, sat down to write. And I've never been able to do that. I, I start writing and let the story takes me where it will. I've started with my last book or the most recent book, Searching for Truth. I did plot it out a little bit more than I have in my previous books. Um, I like kind of letting them go, letting the characters take me where they will. And, and I actually find out it's surprising sometimes where we end up. Um, and I'm never quite sure how the story's going to end until it ends. So uh, I find that kind of exciting too. But I do plot to a certain extent, I guess. I plot two or three chapters ahead. When I'm finished one, I plot two or three chapters ahead. And I think I've got the basic outline in my head, but it's... Uh, it's not a matter of sitting down and actually writing out pages and pages of plot for me. It's it's just something I've I've tried a little bit and I can't do it. Sure. Well, are you working on another novel now? I just started playing around with another one. It's um, it's going to be another Jay Scott mystery. Um, it's um, not that far advanced in my head, I guess, but uh, I think it's going to have something to do with. Um, uh, cults, and he's going to somehow become embroiled in a, a story about a cult. What novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Well, right now I'm reading Clive Kessler. Um, I particularly like Michael Connolly, and um, my wife and I have actually just finished the Bosch series, which we enjoyed immensely. We thought the characters were so real in that uh, in the movie series that. Uh, that it was fantastic, but I really enjoy um, crime novels. I've got a bit of an eclectic taste, I think, when it comes to reading. 
I do like uh, biographies and autobiographies as well, but I probably inter intersperse uh, maybe one biography in amongst five fictional books or something like that. So, um, but I really enjoy the uh, the type of stories that Michael Connolly writes and Jeffrey Deaver, as I mentioned before. Um, so it's that kind of book that well, I enjoy. I also, what writing uh, advice would you offer for someone? Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say that I recently read a book uh, by Chandler, who was it was written in 1934, I believe, and um, it was far from politically correct, but um, very interesting to read some of the old old style uh, mysteries and thrillers. Sure. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Well, I think first of all, if someone's got a story in them, I think they should just go for it. I think, um, you know, put it down on paper and see where it goes. Uh, it's that, that's basically how I started and, and, um, it turned out okay for me, but I think more than that, I think if somebody's going to spend the time writing, they really need to hire an editor. They need to set aside some money to be able to pay somebody to, um, to edit their book, because if you're going to spend the time actually sitting and writing a book, you want to make sure it's the best thing it can possibly be. And I have to admit, when I wrote my first book, Kilimanjaro and Beyond, with my son, and sent it to the editor, I was shocked at, uh, at what the editor came up with. And I'm still surprised <laughs> sometimes when uh, the editor finds things that, after I've read it 20 times, I've still missed. And uh, I, I think it's so important that somebody hires an, an author or a potential author hires an editor to make sure their book is the best it can be. The other thing I tell people who are aspiring to write is that um, make sure you set a aside some time for marketing, time and money, because it's um, as much time as you spend in writing the book, you're going to have to spend an equal amount of time and effort in uh, letting know people that the book actually exists. Well, how did you find your editor? That was luck. <laughs> My, our son is a, a singer-songwriter in Nashville, and he knew somebody who wrote for Billboard magazine at one time, put me in touch with her, and we connected right off the bat. And so um, she agreed to edit my book, and I said, I don't want somebody who's just going to pick up on uh, typos and maybe the odd grammar grammar mistake sure. and that kind of thing. I, you know, I'd, I'd like you to be as difficult with me as you possibly can. And she certainly was. And she told me right off the bat that uh, we had a, a Zoom call and uh, she had read through the entire manuscript. And she told me right off the bat that I heard her, had to earn the right to preach. So um, I guess when I started the book, we were talking about what you need to do to be able to climb the mountain. And she said, you need, you really need to be able to uh, earn the right to tell somebody that you know what you're talking about. So I rearranged the book and, and it turned out much better as a result. But uh, we were fortunate to come across her. She's since pretty much retired from editing. And so I've been uh, using other people, but um, uh, I found, I find most people are very good. If you get references for, for the editor you want to use, then I think you'll find a good one. That's great. 
Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Uh, my webpage is www.barry-finlay.com. Finlay is F-I-N-L-A-Y. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Barry Finley, author of the new novel, Searching for Truth, the first in the Jake Scott mystery series. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Barry, thanks for Thank doing this. Thank you very interview. much, Jeff. I enjoyed it. Great. Thank you. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of The Vanishing Wife, book one in the Marcy Kane thriller collection from Barry Finley. Narrated by Trevor Finley. The phone rang twice before he heard his daughter pick up. Hello, she said sleepily. Jen, where have you been? I've been trying to call you. Oh, hi, Dad. I'm sorry. I had to study last night and my battery died, so I shut my phone off and plugged it into the charger. I'm still in bed, but I just turned it back on a few minutes ago. Hey, why are you calling so early? Is something wrong? I would have called you as soon as I got up. What's up? Mason could picture his techie daughter rolling over and turning on her phone as soon as she woke up. At least she didn't mention rolling over to greet the football player that Marcy had implanted in his brain. He chose his words carefully. Honey, I just wanted you to know that your mother had some things come up, so she's gone out of town for a few days. She didn't tell me where she was going. I know it's private, and I respect that. I know I'll hear from her soon. There was silence on the other end of the phone. What? She left without telling you where she was going? That doesn't sound like Mom. What's going on? Have you tried calling her since she left? Mason knew he wouldn't be able to put much over on his astute daughter, so he elaborated a bit more. Sweetie, honestly, I'm not sure. I woke up the morning after our anniversary and your mother was gone. She must have left sometime during the night, and I can't imagine why. It makes no sense. We had had a beautiful day together and a lovely evening having dinner and drinking wine. I've already called the police and filed a missing person report. Jen, I wish I understood what's happening. I'm not sure, but it looks like she may have withdrawn money from our bank account, too. I haven't heard a word from her since she left. Mason hesitated, but then held true to his game plan and omitted any word of the threatening phone call or the fact that his running shoes were being held as evidence in a murder investigation. There was no need to share that with Jennifer. There was a sharp intake of breath, followed by more silence at the end of the line. Then finally, This is awful, Dad. I'm scared for Mom. I'm coming home to be with you. Unless you two are having trouble and just haven't told me yet, I think something has happened to her. She would never just leave in the middle of the night. No, Mason replied quickly trying to be reassuring. Jen, I want you to stay there for now. You need to study. And it's a four-hour drive from Miami back here. There's nothing you can do here anyway. Not right now. The $10,000 transfer is a good indication that nothing has happened to her. 
She's just sorting something out. I'm doing everything I can. We'll stay in touch. You can text or call me anytime you want, and I'll keep you posted when we find out more. Please do this for me, Jen. It's how you can be the most help right now. And besides, I have Marcy here to help out. Oh, God, Dad. Marcy? Isn't she the one who said Mom would be better off with someone other than you? Yes, but she was just kidding, honey. That's how Marcy is. She's being very supportive and a huge help right now. I know this is hard, but just try to stay calm and keep studying. Your mom and I are both very proud of you and want you to be the best that you can be. I promise I will get to the bottom of this and keep you informed. I know it's easy to say, but please try not to worry. Mason could sense that his daughter was trying to digest everything he had just told her. He waited patiently for her to respond, and when she did, he could tell that she was close to tears. She told him in a trembling voice that she knew her mom wouldn't just run away without a good reason. She rationalized that her mom would be back soon and that everything would be clear. That was exactly the response that Mason was hoping for from their pragmatic daughter. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.